0: Thank you for listening today to the Conformed to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning.
1: Text driven Tuesday time.
0: Text driven Tuesday. I am tired, Jay. <laughs> really <laughs> I'm tired. Daylight savings time hit me really hard this this year.
1: Yeah. Yesterday, I get up early. You know, I, uh, I get always get up early. It's my practice. When I'm preaching, get up early before everybody else go through my sermon. And uh I hit that snooze button, and mm-hmm. I instantly went back to dreamland. That's, yeah. That doesn't usually happen, you know? You're like, uh, you're kind of awake. Uh-huh. But I was like out cold. Five minutes, tra- they transpire in the real world. And in dreamland, like a couple hours go by. Yeah. And then I'm awake again. So...
0: Yeah, it was rough. We'll see. We'll see how my notes. I haven't gone over my notes from uh, from your sermon yet. So we'll see how <laughs> how well how well I took notes because, um, I was I was a little bit of a zombie
1: yesterday. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, hopefully, I was able to uh, hold your attention. Yeah. So,
0: well, I uh, I found something a few days ago, Jay, that uh, went along with our our free for all Friday. Okay and uh, I thought it was pretty funny so I thought I'd bring it in All right. today so we uh, if you if you haven't listened to uh, our free-for-all Friday uh, from last week we talked about uh, the government's um, preparations yeah. trying, to, yeah. trying to prep us for for nuclear war mm. and uh, in order to protect us from nuclear fallout they want to make sure that we have hand sanitizer and mask and stay six feet away right <laughs> right uh, because there's nothing worse <laughs> during nuclear war than Catching to come COVID. down with with covid well the uh the atlantic um which is uh i don't know does it even have a a print form or is it just online I don't know. it's just a online magazine i think they uh, they tweeted out a headline that was that caught my eye <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was pretty good Uh, if we can go over to, uh, oops, we can go over. Well, I just lost it. Jay. Oh no, George. Okay. I'm not using my iPad today. I left my iPad at home. All right, here we go. If you, uh, if we want to switch over a nuclear war would kill tens of millions of people and would also prove disastrous for climate change. Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) It would, it would cause more global warming huh i <laughs> yeah you could All say that particles in the in the air and yeah trapping trapping the uv light heating the earth yeah so tens thought, of I millions i thought that i
0: thought that would i thought that i you know it's written by uh robinson meyer uh, uh I was expecting it to be like John Kerry or something. Right. right. Interesting. <laughs> so, right. so there you go, Jay. Uh, we've got to avoid nuclear war. But it balances if we're going to save right? our if we're going to save our planet from global warming.
1: It, but for them and their perverted worldview, it balances out because like less people is better. Yeah. So less people, less climate change. Right. I don't know. Wait till that article it's comes okay. out. <laughs> I, I, I just wait. Yeah. Nuclear war wouldn't be that bad, it wouldn't guys. Be that bad because it's coming. Someone man. will write that. Yeah. Well, shall we? Shall we drop well, into this? Let's, or what? Do, let's do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'm still thinking about that. Uh, that polar bear floating out there on that ice. Yeah. Before before Putin launches nuclear warheads, think about the polar bears. Yeah, Putin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> did, I, did I mention I'm tired? Yes, yes you did. <laughs> <Okay>. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's look at Habakkuk. So we're uh, we're we're still in Habakkuk chapter one. Um, why don't you give us like the flow? Give us a kind of a reminder of of what's been going on um, since it's been it's been a few weeks. Um, and then we'll get into the passage. Okay. All
1: right, All right so Habakkuk um, is, um, if you go to the New Testament, so first off, it's uh, it's toward the end. It's, it's one of those smaller books, books that you flip back and forth and you can't find because the pages are stuck together. It's not on very many pages. It takes up a total of three pages in my Bible. Um those are rookie numbers. Yeah, Jay, yeah, look at yeah. this. Look, look yeah. at this. I got the one, dual.
0: two, three, four, four. You got four,
1: five. I got dual column. Top of six? Dual column, twice the words, yeah. one page. It's more environment friendly. <laughs> so Habakkuk, go to the uh, New Testament, go backwards a couple of books there, and there you will find it. Habakkuk is a prophet to the Southern Kingdom. Northern Kingdom has already been destroyed. Syria has conquered that. Uh, king, It's. Gone, never to return. Judah is the holdout, but they've they're starting to follow in this pattern of paganism. You can see this pattern in Kings and Chronicles. Uh, things are getting really bad. Um, they even they even look like the Canaanites. They're doing ch- child sacrifice, all kinds of horrific things. You can go back and listen to that first sermon. So Habakkuk laments. That's how the book starts. He's lamenting to God, um, look how wicked your people have become. Why do you make me look at wickedness all day? And and you're your idol, that's kind of like his, it, it's an accusation. Um, without, without sinning, he's not accusing God of sin, he's grappling with the, the question of God is sovereign, things don't have to be like they are, but they are that way. And so why? Like, how long are you going to let this continue? Why is it happening? Not that he's blaming God, he's just... Struggling with why it's happening, knowing that he could raise up a prophet, he could raise up a new king. It's not happening. He's lamenting the evil uh, of Judah. God responds. So in verse 5, God responds and he says, I'm not idle. I'm at work. Look what I'm doing. I'm raising up the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. The term is Chaldeans, synonymous with Babylonians. Raising up the Chaldeans, and they're going to judge. They're they're God's instrument. They're like a divinely inspired, empowered human army. They're unstoppable. They march through the earth and conquer everything. And they're appointed for the task of judging Judah for their sin. So God will stop the sin and the evil in the land, but he does so by sending judgment. And this he promised to do in Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses warned them that this would happen. God keeps His promises, but this news is—it's devastating. Obviously, it's—it's it's unbelievable. Like the people, God would really do this. They don't think—they don't think that He will act in this way. And so Habakkuk then he starts to um, respond to God. So Habakkuk's second kind of statements are here in twelve. That's where we are, verse twelve. Now he he uh, he laments again or complains again. But it's important that we see it in the context of how he does this, because he's grappling with this again. Okay, um, they're wicked, but the Babylonians seem to be way worse. And so in the midst of Habakkuk's second complaint to God, we really kind of see what uh, it looks like to express faith in God when you get really bad news. By really bad news, I mean like earth-shattering, like your world's never going to be the same again. Like... Obviously, Babylonians are coming. They're going to conquer and destroy you. Uh, well, I mean, we may not experience that. We may, right? We could have invading armies. Who knows? But if you live long enough, kind of the way I started this is, you're going to get some type of news that shakes your world like Habakkuk was shaken. Um, it's just a matter of when. We live in a fallen world. You know, when you're young, you don't think bad things will ever happen like because you never experience them. Like People usually... Your friends aren't dying. Mm -hmm. The older you get, the more friends you see die. The more bad things you see happening, and the older you get, the worse it gets. I mean, none of us gets out of here without getting some type of bad news. Like um, you know, knock at the door in the middle of the night, phone call in the middle of the night. Sometime it's coming. Bad diagnosis of health. Um, So what do you do when your whole world is turned upside down by bad? By bad news, and Habakkuk kind of de- he demonstrates, I think, what uh, faith looks like, um, and what he does here is there kind of three expressions of his faith in God that I think can help us that we should adopt, and okay. they're better they're better <clears throat> adopted beforehand. Like you want to put that in your tool bag <laughs> right before something happens, not during right. Um, and that's what he, it just, it gets at the sufficiency of scripture. That's, that's kind of how I, when I was having people flip to their Bibles, it's like, hey, open your Bibles, flip. And that's what I was reminded of this week, that, um, the Bible literally speaks to every situation a human could encounter. Mm-hmm. And sufficiently. Right. So.
0: Yeah. I thought that was good because I, th- I think that a lot of people, they, um, they affirm that the Bible is inerrant, but they have a problem with sufficiency mm-hmm. that yes it it doesn't have any errors in it but it doesn't speak to it doesn't speak to this area in my life yeah and so I, I appreciated you um, doing that that's that's something that comes up um, in uh, <coughs> biblical counseling. Um, a lot of people don't like biblical counseling because they don't they don't believe that um, the scriptures are sufficient for everything that a person, Encounters, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not what the scripture it's, itself says. Um, Peter in in Second Peter one, he says that that God has given us everything for life and godliness, mm-hmm. um, and and so that that's the sufficiency of Scripture. So let's uh, let's have you read uh, this section where we're going into. There's a little bit of a a weird chapter division. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows why? <laughs> I mean it's he's still talking and and i don't know all right so let's uh let's
1: but people put them in way after the fact right these chapter divisions, uh-huh. right I, uh-huh. I mean i would think the most natural one would be when god starts talking again uh-huh but okay yeah that's weird <laughs> so know. i'll read through two one okay all right well let's have you read it all right let's switch over to that um ipad then okay here we go are you not from everlasting O lord my god my holy one we shall not die Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Just
0: reading it again that is such a weird right. chapter division. I don't know why I don't know why uh I don't remember the, the guy's name who yeah. who did the the chapter divisions. That's yeah. a weird one though. Yeah. That's probably when his uh his horse hit a hit a bump or something. Yeah. He, he, made a, he made a made mark. a mark where he shouldn't have. <laughs> All right. So there's uh you've got three expressions of faith to help you through tough times. And so it uh we've we've got um Habakkuk, and he he gives an ex- he gives us an an example of how to prayerfully remember our God, mm-hmm. um, how to complain faithfully to God, and then uh, to wait diligently for God. Yeah,
1: did I get those? Yeah, yeah. Remember, prayerfully your God. All right. Yeah, so I think it's what's interesting about it is I try to phrase these in a way to where people could like like if you just say. Habakkuk remembers prayerfully his God. Mm-hmm. People are prone to take one step of removal. Right. As if. But what I what I wanted to try to communicate was: look, we're watching an example God's given us mm-hmm. on how we are to do it. Right. So I tried to phrase it in a way where you could say easily and remember when something happens or you're going through something, I am to remember prayerfully
0: right. my God. By doing that, you're you are you're not just teaching us the passage, but you're teaching us what um, we're supposed to do with the passage right um a lot of people I guess they they look at um expository preaching like it's just this this you know heady lecture mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just communicating f- facts right when what it's supposed to do is what we say at the beginning of our podcast right right where we are setting out to um, engage the mind through actually explaining the passage, but we don't stop there. We affect the heart. Mm-hmm. We want your your um, emotions, your affections, to be moved, so that you'll live a certain way. Right. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so you're you're not just um, you're not just leaving us at Habakkuk. You're leading us to. I'm supposed to do something with this mm-hmm. this passage. All right. So. We're supposed to prayerfully remember our God, uh-huh. all right, so what walk us through? It's just one verse that you've got uh, for this,
1: yeah, yeah, verse 12. okay, so after getting the worst news of his life, I mean, you got to try to try to put yourself in his shoes for a second, right? It'd be like God telling you um, the United States is about to be destroyed, like every city is going to be in rubble. It's going to be a wasteland think about it like a nuclear total destruction and that's what that's what would happen to them but without. And,
0: and and climate
1: change right right yeah and that's that's what would happen to his people god has promised that it will happen and think so it's just think about how that news would hit you mm-hmm. he could do a lot of things a lot of people may run and tell their friends like first off i you won't believe what's going to happen like I, I don't even know how to make sense of this. Help me make sense of it. Uh, he doesn't hop, uh, like hop on some group chat, right? Judean group chat, which I guess would be the city gates, right? Back then, and start talking. How, how do we make sense of this? Like, what's going to happen? How do we prepare? Like the first thing he does is he just clings to God, mm-hmm. and that's uh, nobody really knows a lot about Habakkuk, and his name means something like clings or embraces. And you can almost get the picture of someone who's just gra- a grappler. Like, you can get the picture that Habakkuk is now just holding on to God's feet, or his he's got his arms wrapped around his legs because he doesn't know what else to do. So he goes immediately to God in prayer. So he's praying to God, but what's interesting is he's praying to God the truths about God. He's praying theology.
0: Yeah. Um. I was, I was trying to work through this in my mind while you were while you were preaching. I I think the response to pray is um, maybe easy for a lot of people, even for unbelievers. I mean, you, you have that uh, that old saying that there's no atheist in foxholes. Mm-hmm. That when bad things happen, people almost reflectively. Um, Reach out to God mm, right. like an instinct, right? Um, but it's that second, it's that second aspect of this that I, I don't think people do a good job with, right? That they are, um, theologically informed, right, in their prayers, yeah.
1: And I was th- as I was thinking about that, the like theology is not just. A hobby, right? I think unfortunately for some people it is a hobby. Mm-hmm. They've got you know gazillions of books they've read. They have tons of knowledge about who God is, yeah. but <clears throat> that doesn't mean it's practical, like, right? Like if if it's just a, an intellectual endeavor, mm-hmm. and I compared it to people who know everything about the Star Wars universe. I mean, you got you got people that are fans, <laughs> right? They're fans of theology. They're they're fans of Star Wars theology. Uh-huh. You know, they know that, like every every tale of the Sith, and all these hidden things you could never dream of. Yeah. And that type of knowledge about God and theology is not going to help you. Um, you can also have wrong theology. Mm-hmm. Lack of theology or wrong theology and sufferings happening, and that's going to that's gonna break you. It's going to destroy you. Right. Yeah,
0: I mean, the kind of prayer that Habakkuk is praying here is not going to be found um, at Joel Osteen's church because the theology is not there. Right. Right. If, if your theology is that God just wants to bless you and, and always, you know, um, show you favor. And that means that you're going to have good things come into your life and it's, you know, your best life now. And then when something bad happens, your theology is, is so bad that you have, there's no way that you're going to be able to deal with it. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, so he, he talks about theology, so what, what kind of theology are we uh, So he re- we seeing
1: here? He rehearses, well, he's praying to God. God doesn't need to know who he is. Mm-hmm. He knows who he is, right? So why pray theologically? It's because Habakkuk is reminding himself. Like he's trying to, his, his whole world is shaken, right? Pretend there's an earthquake happening and there's just sand everywhere and he's sinking in the sand. He's try, he needs like a bedrock, a foundation that's not going to move. Yep. He can reestablish him, himself on and get his bearings. Okay. And that's God's character and nature, mm-hmm. and that's what He prays. Okay, so He's not doing it for God's sake; He's doing it for His own sake. But it's a great example. And so He, there are kind of there are four uh, components of, I guess, of who God is in His nature that really kind of stand out in verse twelve. The first one is that God is eternal, and the word eternal it means just an indeterminate amount of time into the past or into the future. We can say eternal, but we may would just say forever. Mm-hmm. Are you not from forever? Like you're boundless, that you are not contained within time and space. That's what he's getting at. Time and space. Uh, time is just uh, matter of motion. God's not bound by space time. We call it space time. God's not bound by space time. He's existed from forever.
0: Okay, so let's let's put ourselves in Habakkuk's shoes. Um, uh, God just told him that the Babylonians are coming. They're going to. Um, destroy the city. How is God's eternality a comfort? How how does that help him?
1: Um, because when you when you put together for in like the Hebrew mind, though they profess this belief about their God. Um, the truth of who God is is that He didn't come into being in time. Like He's not bound by circumstances in the world. That's kind of the idea, and. And God uses it to encourage his people throughout the Bible. There were a lot. I mean, I I had to ax like a gazillion Bible verses. Yeah. <laughs> so just a couple of them and the ways that God's eternality is a comfort. Isaiah 40, 28 through 29, uh, God says to his people through the prophet, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And that kind of gets at it, right? God created this place. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So when things in your life are going terrible, we're able to remember God's eternal, he's a creator, he's not surprised by circumstances, he's ordained the end from the beginning, and he's able to give power to the faint. Would this maybe have a
0: a subheading that would include God's God's knowledge? Mm Mm-hmm. Like he knows what he's doing, right? So the the Babylonians are not. He's he's not just randomly picking a people uh-huh. to to do this, right? In his his infinite eternal wisdom, yeah, he knows exactly what he's what he's planning.
1: Yeah, Isaiah forty six nine through ten gets at that idea. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and there's that. History itself has been written by the God who is eternal. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish my purpose. Mm. And that is a comfort. And this is uh, when uh, the northern kingdom ha- falls, uh, Sennacherib, I think I says name correct, is that right? I don't know how to say these names. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, has surrounded um, Judah, and King Hezekiah's faith is kind of faltering, mm-hmm. and he sends word to, to King he- Hezekiah, the Lord does, via this prophecy that is kind of a prophecy directed at the king of Assyria. It's interesting. But in that, he's able to see what God is saying, is that God has determined this moment from long ago, Mm -hmm. right? And they're not going to be destroyed because God is in control even of the king of Assyria. Have you not heard I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass. Mm. So you're, yep, okay, you're surrounded. Right. But he's only doing what I determined that he would do. Mm. And that's meant to God's eternal nature that he determines in from the beginning. That's the foundation to where you can say, okay, I can't, I don't, I can't see how this fits together. I don't even understand what's happening. But there's, but God is not like these other gods of these surrounding nations, mm. who are just made by human hands. They they had a beginning in all their stories. They came into be, being at one time right. somehow of another. You know, some guy ate some, You know, killed some sea monster and mm-hmm. it threw up some god. Right. Like really <laughs> stupid, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? They're really yeah. dumb things. God never had a beginning. Mm. The one true God.
0: And the, the Hebrew concept of, of everlasting has also the connotation of unchanging, doesn't it? Right. Uh, yeah. The fact that God, he's not only eternal, but he's eternally the same. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I held on to that to bring it out in the faithfulness part of okay. God. Um, that's the third thing that he that we observe. Okay. The second, though, is that he's holy. Okay. So he's, he calls him, oh, Lord, my God, my holy one. Mm-hmm. And God's holiness is, I I don't know. This is, if you think about it, like, is it an attribute of God or is it the sum of all his attributes? Like, it's a strange one, right? It's who he is in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You can say he's other. And I was reading in one commentary and they pointed out in this instance, it seems that the prophet is getting at something else, other than that God is just set simply other, because the surrounding nations could say the same thing. And, and to a degree, mm-hmm. they would say, "Well, our our God is other too. He's not like uh, He's not a person. He's not material." Yes. Uh, but that's not the emphasis. And the emphasis here is kind of the emphasis on what Isaiah gets at. You remember where Isaiah encounters God in his throne room, the king, in the year that King Uzziah died. He saw. He saw uh, an image of God, and it's like that of a man sitting on a throne. He doesn't like see the rest of him. He's like sees his feet in his robe, and we and we know from John that he sees he sees Jesus from the Gospel of John. <clears throat> and in that in that picture, the angels surrounding the throne are hiding their faces from God's glory, and they're singing, "Holy, holy, holy," and that's who God is in His character nature. He's holy, holy, holy. And what's communicated there in the imagery is really his moral purity because they're hiding themselves these sinless beings can't even look on him because he's so morally perfect and then isaiah uh, he thinks he's going to be disintegrated like i'm undone that means like i'm being disintegrated i'm destroyed god's holiness is destroying me i'm gonna die and uh, so god sends the seraphim cleanses Isaiah and we get that great picture the component of god's separateness is that he is absolutely morally perfect mm-hmm. and habakkuk <clears throat> seems to be communicating the same idea and that's what brings up the tension as we'll look at later on because he says you who are pure eyes than to see evil um, and so he he is recounting that god is holy and while that is important and why that is a foundation i think is because even though habakkuk cannot see it Right? Or understand what's happening. He's appealing to God's character and that he knows that a holy God will always do what's right. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Um, you may not, at the time when you're going through bad things, like you may not get to see it. You might think everything is wrong. Like this shouldn't have happened. I don't see any possible justification for this. Because our, our, we have this small little window of perception. Right. Of reality, God sees the whole picture. All our lives are interconnected. Things are happening to us that will influence our children and conform them and make them who they are. Uh, we have no clue. But but the one thing you can bank on is that God will never do something that's wrong. Right. He can't do it. He can't do a wrong thing because he can't. He can't deny himself. He can't violate his own nature. Mm-hmm. We don't like it's It's strange to think about God not being able to do things, but it's clear that he can't he, he right. can't lie hmm he can't sin he can never do an unjust thing right um, and that's because he's holy right and I think that's the that's that grounding aspect of it
0: yeah and uh that 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 is the tension we've we've talked about that um, in uh, the first the first sermon is that he's good right um and a lot of people they'll say, "Well, God is is good, but He's not able to keep all these bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. He's still good." So that they, they try to excuse right. the bad things that happen by taking away some of God's sovereignty. Right. But we have um, Habakkuk already um, assuming that God can do God can all things, and and that uh, He could do otherwise. Right um he he could he could he could
1: do something else do something else, else right because right. he's sovereign uh-huh.
0: and so we have to hold those two together that he's sovereign um but he's also good mm-hmm. and so everything that happens to us even the the most horrific things come from a sovereign god who is also doing good mm mm-hmm. mhm Right. Right. And we and have to hold, a, we have to hold those two those two ideas together.
1: It's a difficult thing to 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 see mm-hmm. especially in the moments that everything's happening. Right. You know, that's Joseph. that's
0: that's why that's why we have to have this this understanding before yes. it happens because right. in the moment we're not going to look around and say, "Oh, this is this is from a good God." Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. sometimes things seem like they're out of control. That's why we already have to
1: have this understanding uh, that God is sovereign, that God is good. It makes you wonder when, like Joseph, got the full picture. What when did he get the picture? Right, because he went through many years of suffering and pain. Yeah, uh, evil that was done to him, and uh, I have to believe as a human, he did not have the perspective that he had when he forgave his brothers. Yeah, until later, mm. like he 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 looks back and he sees, what I'm the most powerful man in the world, <laughs> yeah. uh, other than Pharaoh. He's uh-huh. running the world for Pharaoh, right. and God's given me this wisdom, and God has empowered me to save the known world mm-hmm. and my brothers. And, God, and God's, like, he sees it after the fact. Right. But while he's going through it, like, that's difficult. Right. And that's always the same case for us, and that's why beforehand you need the foundation. So at least the one thing you can hang on to, and I think he's hanging on to, right, If if there, if, if he's about to sink under the waves of the ocean, like, he's got a life raft, and the life raft is... God always does what is right because mm-hmm. He is holy. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, this is why theology matters. Mm-hmm. This is why. This is why we encourage people to read theology to to think about theology. It's not something that's just for, um, you know, scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't tell you how many times people I've I've had people scoff at the idea that we need to understand doctrine. Mm-hmm. It it's for these practical times. It's so you can pull it out of your out of your uh, your tool chest when you need it the most. Right. Right. So God is God is eternal. He's holy. The third one is. God is personal.
1: Okay. And the way that Habakkuk is referring to God is my God, mm-hmm. my holy one. Yeah. Eh, you know, it's this isn't just throw some throwaway words. God's not yeah. an idea to Habakkuk. He's not. He's not even just the covenant God of Israel to Habakkuk. Yeah. He's he's personal to him. He's mm-hmm. his personal God. that He knows him personally. And I think one thing that we should pick up on out of this component that needs to correct a lot of our thinking about God is that God is a person. God is a person. Though we maintain his transcendence, and his holiness does that, obviously, to a degree, that he is outside, he, he is other, his personal... <sighs> Go ahead. are you going to say something? Well, I, was,
0: uh, I mean, it just kind of hit me that he's personal in his his very being mm-hmm. because he's triune, mm-hmm. and so the the Trinity is always personal. Right. There, there, there has never been a time when God has been impersonal. He's always had a relationship within him himself. Right. Uh huh. And so out of out of an uh, an overflow of that love that the Father has for the Son, there's creation. Right. And they they invite people into that that relationship.
1: Right. And that this gets to kind of a a switch in a lot of people's thinking. Like God God desires to have a relationship with people. Mm -hmm. We wrongly assume it's because something's lacking in God. Like that's the default human position. Like God created, He wants to have a relationship with humans. They won't maybe not go so far to say as God's lonely, but, but something in God needs the relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Yeah. Uh, it's actually switched. Yeah. God, as a perfect being, he is the greatest, I don't want to say thing because he's not a thing, but he's the greatest being of the universe and the center of all joy. And so out of an overflow of who he is, like you said, he wants to give other people that experience. Mm -hmm. That sounds really, like we think about it in human terms, you think, that's so like uh, conceited. (laughs) But for God to want to give you something else other than himself would be idolatrous. Right. Like if if God thought, hey, George could be ultimately satisfied and have pure maximal joy, in um who knows what video games, who knows so like what pick something, pick yeah. anything wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. that would make God an idolater if he if he chose to if he wanted to pursue giving you that right. but God's pursuit is always to give the human intimate relationship with himself mm-hmm. because that's the greatest good that he can do to a human, right and it's an overflow of his goodness, yeah,
0: yeah, maybe people miss what actually made Eden a paradise. Right. It wasn't just that there was no sin and, and that they were surrounded by all these, you know, trees that had all kinds of good food. It was that this was the place where they walked with God. They had mm-hmm. they had um a relationship with God. That's what was broken at the fall. Right. Um the Adam and Eve being expelled out of the garden wasn't so much now you're not in, you know, paradise anymore. It's that right. you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're not with you're, God. You're not in Hawaii anymore. <laughs> That's not it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's that you you're not with God anymore. Right. You're away you are being sent away from the presence of God. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so through the gospel, we're brought back to that mm-hmm. fellowship.
1: And the natural man, we talked about this in the effectual call in Sunday school class. The natural man will never believe the greatest good that a man could ever experience is God. Yeah. You'll you think it's everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the switches that happens at conversion. Mm-hmm. As you begin to see God that way, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all and, right, yeah. Well, and I was going to say that this uh, God being personal um, is expressed the most cl- most clearly in Jesus, right? Um, that Jesus came into this world mm-hmm. in this pursuit, right, to bring many sons to glory, that many people would be adopted into God's family, that many people would have this type of intimate knowledge that Habakkuk has. Um, and this is, we have this revelation in Jesus even more clearly than Habakkuk does. And what's interesting to think about, um, there's not a part of God that's unlike Jesus. So, like, we could think, oh, you know, well, I know Jesus, but there's some parts of God that I'm, mm-hmm. I don't really know. Right. Well, that can't, it can't be. Yeah. Because of the nature of the Trinity.
0: Yeah, was it, uh, was it Philip or... Was it Philip in uh, what John fourteen shows the Father and that right. hey, it'll be enough for us? Uh-huh. And Jesus says, "Have I not been with you long enough that you you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father?" Yeah, yeah. He he's the one who fully
1: reveals who God is. Yeah, this knowledge of this personal knowledge of God to know God it can't be found outside of outside of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's only found in Him. Right. You can't find it by sitting out and getting in tune with the universe. Uh-huh. You know. Are doing like some hot Christian yoga or whatever people do these days? <clears throat> what <if laughs> you know you, what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: What if you, uh, what if you just learn how to laugh in the face of death, and that when you laugh, right, it's a uh, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, it's winsome. It's a <laughs> win- <laughs> that's right. A br- this brilliant this brilliant way of communicating with uh, with unbelievers, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stephen Colbert's Jedi talk, yeah, right. And yeah, God- and, and impersonal force is not going to help you. It's not going to comfort you when when bad things happen. Yeah. Like that, it, again, we're referencing a free-for-all a few weeks ago with Stephen Colbert talking about um, how his comedy influenced his faith, but he talks about God in, in an impersonal way. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know what, what he was getting at with, uh, with talking about laughter, but that that's not going to help people when really bad things happen. Yeah, I mean maybe in a general sense when you look at the world and you can you can turn to comedy and and just kind of forget that bad things are going on, but if you get a call in the middle of the night that that your spouse has been killed mm-hmm. um, in a, in a car crash or something, you're not going to laugh that off, right? Right. That's that's not going to bring you comfort. This impersonal force is not going to give you comfort only a personal god is going to give you that comfort
1: yeah and pe- people may think like how do i even get like how do, like god is so big and outside of everything i think you remember psalm one forty five eighteen: the lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth he's right there mm-hmm. you call upon him in jesus christ and you'll know him yeah Don't overcomplicate things. (laughs) All right. Right? (laughs) Yeah. All right, what's the fourth one, Jay? God is faithful. Okay. Um, He, This statement, uh, we shall not die, is not like a wishful thinking. Like you're sending in uh, this army who devastates everything in its path, leaves a wasteland behind it. Uh, People are going to die. Like that's what happens when... Nations conquer other nations. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to die. This is kind of an expression that Habakkuk is voicing on behalf of the faithful. There's always a faithful remnant. Yeah. And this expression is, we will not be wiped out. Right. And so the question is, why would he say that after God's told him what's about to happen? Mm-hmm. And this is because this statement, we will not die, is is grounded in the faithfulness of God. Uh, so God is faithful, and he's recounting that. We will not die because God is faithful. God cannot go back on his promises. And God has promised that through this people, all nations of the earth is going, are gonna be blessed. So he can't wipe them out. He may send judgment, and that's that's what he says. You've appointed them as judgment. Mm. You've ordained them as judgment. O rock, you have established them for reproof. So this is going to be a great, a great judgment, a great correction, a discipline. But the covenant uh, remnant, the faithful, will not be destroyed. And we see that as we read, you know, You've got what ha- what happens is that you know Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they're taken away into captivity with Daniel, and we see there are a believing remnant God right. has maintained for Himself, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. they'll eventually come out of captivity. But He believes this <clears throat> not because He's you know just an optimist, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> right. it's because He knows that God is faithful and He doesn't lie. Yeah, He stays true to His promises.
0: Yeah, and it um, seems like he is drawing upon the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, he he says, you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Go back to to Deuteronomy 32, and and that's what God is called. He's called their rock. Uh And then it, it... God just lays out the program yeah. <laughs> for Israel's history, that He's bringing them into the Promised Land. They're going to rebel. He's going to send people to um, to judge them, but then He's going to judge that wicked nation and bring His people back. Yep. Um, and so it seems like just in that that just short line um, at the end of, of verse twelve that He's He's remembering he Deuteronomy thirty two. That's that's what the Song of Moses was supposed to do. It Was supposed to be a witness yep. um, to Israel when they when they uh, send. That this is what God is going to do. He's he's already announced it, um, hundreds of years in the past, uh-huh. and now it, it seems like Habakkuk as as kind of the representative of the believing remnant is is clinging to Deuteronomy thirty two.
1: Yep, yep. Deuteronomy thirty two four. The Rock, His work is perfect; for all His ways are justice. God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. And so, and the the term rock is not used a lot. Mm-hmm. But it is, and so that's a cue that he's getting back to God's faithful to his covenant promises. Yeah. And the foundation of God's covenant promises, and I think the word rock communicates that, he is, God's character and nature is the foundation of this covenant promise. Mm -hmm. It's not Israel, because they're unfaithful. Right. They've, in fact, I don't even know if they've ever been faithful for more than a few years. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Right. Like, David goes away, and it goes downhill real quick. Yeah. Um, and then they have little sporadic moments, but if the covenant is foundation, is the people, then we never make it to Jesus ever. Yeah,
0: um, Malachi three six, I the Lord do not change; therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Mm-hmm. So they change, right? <laughs> they, they move from from uh, you know obedience to to unfaithfulness, but God doesn't change, and so right. he'll he'll always keep his. Mm-hmm. covenant promises
1: yeah 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 that you got it okay we could say a lot more but we probably ought to move on okay
0: all right well uh the first uh the first expression of faith to help us is to prayerfully remember god yes all right uh the second is to complain faithfully to god <laughs> right and uh when we hear that word complain it's going to cause some problems right
1: yeah yeah and we've talked about this. Uh-huh. We, we talked, talked about, about it a little bit uh, a couple, uh, couple weeks ago. But, yeah, yeah. We, The problem is, I should have pulled this verse out. And I, you may know which one it is. But the problem that humans have is we always think God is like us. Mm-hmm. Israel thought God was like them. And that's a the problem. <laughs> right. we, and, the, and we don't like complainers. Mm-hmm. They get on our nerves. Everybody's got the friend or somebody in their circles that complains all the time. Nobody likes complainers, and then we think, "My God doesn't like complainers either." Mm-hmm. And then we talked about it. We we may we may get to come to that conclusion based off of how uh, what happens uh, to uh, to the people of Israel after they come out of slavery after God rescues them because they yeah. complain all the time. Yeah. they just grumble and complain.
0: Well, I I was wondering if um, I I don't know if it's two different words, but it seems like um, in Numbers they. Are said to be grumbling uh-huh and over here it's the word is complaining uh-huh so i don't know if there's two different hebrew words that that um express two different ideas but it seems like there's this there's this um this contrast between grumbling uh-huh. and you know quote unquote complaining
1: yeah it, it, but in our in our vernacular, they both are encapsulated right. in our minds uh-huh. into one thing. Right. Yeah. And so, they're trying to to separate what's happening there mm-hmm. and what's happening in the wilderness generation is, they're complaining. Their grumbling is done out of faithlessness. Yeah. They don't believe God. Mm-hmm. Like they think God God's brought us out here to die. Right. We were better off being slaves. We had food. We had water. <laughs> right. Like what? Like we just saw these miraculous miracles, but you know what? Uh, we don't know if we trust this God. Right. You know? Yeah. So they, and they just, they can never get it. Yeah. Even after all the, God's faithfulness, they won't go into the land. They're like, there's giants in there. We're not mm-hmm. going in there. You brought us out here to let us die out there? Yeah. And over and over and over, they're complaining. And we see God discipline them in that.
0: Yeah. And it seems like the the source of their, their grumbling is that, they don't believe god because they don't see god as their greatest good. Yeah. Like like we said already. Uh-huh. They they always want they don't want god. They want the stuff that god gives to them. Right. They want the food, they want the water, they want the the comfort, they want the peace. Um they want to uh, engage in whatever you know, pleasures uh their their heart is set on. And so they don't they don't want God. Mm-hmm. So they grumble about God's not giving us all of this stuff. Right. But what we see with Habakkuk, and and I I know what we'll see at the end of the book, is that Habakkuk's complaints are are towards God because that's that's who he wants. Right. He wants God. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's complaining faithfully. Mm. The first step was to base all of this in God's character and nature, which does bring up the tension, right? right. He's remembering who God is, and that brings up the complaint that we find in uh, 13 through 17, and it's really easy to kind of see what it is. 13 through 17 is about the Babylonians mm-hmm. again, but th- the issue is, okay, God, you are of pure eyes that, than to look upon evil. How can you use this nation, who is more evil than Judah, to destroy Judah? How, the wicked will swallow up those more righteous than... Then he, is not saying that Judah is righteous because he's already told you they're they're not. He's saying like, look, if we do a comparison on the wickedness evil scale, yeah, Judah is wicked and evil, but the Babylonians are way more. Right. So you're going to let these people that are more evil swallow up those that are more righteous than they are.
0: Is Habakkuk also seeing that God is not? He's not saying, well, the the uh, the remnant's going to escape. Right. This. Is there maybe a sense in which he knows that that people like Daniel and Shadrach Meshach, are going to suffer? Are going to suffer and go through it? Also, right. that he's not going to he's not going to just remove them. They're going to have to go through it. Also,
1: yeah, uh, I think I think probably. I mean, we don't we don't know what had happened to Habakkuk, but right. um, we
0: know what happens to Jeremiah, and and he's, right, he's yeah. prophesying around the same time uh-huh. as Jeremiah, right? we know yeah. jeremiah he he lives to see it he he sees it and he's actually carried away to egypt
1: by uh-huh. unbelieving israelites right yeah so the the righteous suffer mm-hmm. along with the unrighteous in the judgment though that though the, they won't be wiped out mm-hmm. he's already said that but yeah so he's grappling with the whole this whole idea mm-hmm. is how and people do too i mean you look at the world and you say maybe to not to this degree you say how come I live this way, and other people who are live contrary to God, they, their life seems better than mine in this world? Right. That's a tension that's always there. Yeah. So, and that's the complaint. It's a, legit, it's a legitimate complaint, because he stops short of accusing God of sin or saying God is unjust— He's just saying, this is who you are, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. I can't reconcile the two. But voicing the complaint is an act of faithfulness. Right. What would it be better to do, not say anything? (laughs) Like, go complain to somebody else? Uh Like, he takes it directly to God. Right. And I think that gives us leeway to understand that not all complaining to God is sin. Mm. If it's done in faithfulness, faith in God and who he is, like he did at the beginning, then he moved to the complaint... Um, that is an expression of faithfulness, and it's all over the psalms. The psalms are full of these. I'm not going to read the whole psalm again on here, um, but psalm, One 102. 102. psalm 102 captures this perfectly because yeah. he's literally complaining like his life is terrible, like you read it, he, the way he describes himself, very expressive. But then he moves immediately into the greatness of God. Like right. That's his hope. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I think you can—you're free to complain. I mean, you can complain to God. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll keep you from the two things that I think that it, that it keeps you from doing is it keeps you from falling into utter hopelessness. <laughs> like if you can't complain to God about real issues and problems you have in this world, you're prone to falling into just utter hopelessness, or you'll become like Job's wife—you'll <laughs> become an apostate <laughs> who's willing to to curse God, uh-huh. curse God and die. That's right. her advice to right. Job. <laughs> yeah and we don't want to end up there either right. and so people follow that pattern you see it in the world today mm-hmm. either fall under utter hopelessness their theology isn't there to even help them um, or they just curse God and blaspheme God and apostasize apostatize, apostatize.
0: Right. Th- this may be um, a big a big reason for all the uh, the deconstruction stories that were're we're seeing is because they don't have the theology so they're not they're not they're not praying theology but they're also they aren't bringing their complaints to god they're complaining about being hurt by the church or or whatever their reason their reason is and they're they're leaving right right instead of instead of doing what what habakkuk is showing us uh-huh
1: yeah yeah so that's it that's the second that's okay. the second expression of faith is to is to complain faithfully
0: okay uh, and then the last one is to wait diligently for God. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's 2-1. Okay. And th- this one, he just gives the illustration of um, like a soldier taking, taking his post on a watchtower. He becomes a watchman. He's saying, I've, I've complained. Now I know you'll respond. I'm going to take up my post, and I'm going to wait diligently, looking out on the horizon— like a soldier would wait to see if there's an incoming army or or good news. Good news can come too. But I'm not I'm just going to wait there diligently and faithfully and patiently because I know you're going to respond. Mm. And I want to see what is your response to my complaint that Babylon is just swallowing up nations. We didn't describe them, but the illustration that Habakkuk uses is that of a fisherman and he says, "Babylon, look, they just take up all they want like like a fisherman catches fish, he catches, catches them, he empties his net, he fills his net up again, and that's the imagery that he uses of the Babylonians. And and the question is, will you let it go on forever? Verse 17. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercil- mercilessly killing nations forever? And so he's waiting. What's God going to say when I ask him? You've you've raised up the Babylonians. They're taking all they want. Are you going to let them continue forever? Mm-hmm. So now he waits for a response. Okay, we're probably not very good at this, right?
0: <laughs> we might be. We might be good with uh, with complaining, and maybe with uh, you know uh, crying out to God when bad things happen. But waiting—that's—that's
1: that's probably not our our strength. Right. Yeah. No. It. Things have changed so quickly, like I gave the illustration of the DMV. <laughs> everybody hates the DMV, so that's the place everybody waits, right? Uh. And everybody hates it because it's the one place in your life where you can't have something instantly. Yeah. Like I can't think of another place. If I want my haircut and there's a wait list, like I can get on an app and they tell me, show up at this time, and mm. you won't have to wait. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll sign up now. So it's like the only place in your life that you have to wait on anything is at the DMV. Everything else you have instantly. Yeah. You got your groceries. You you drive and pick them up now. You don't even got to go in the store and stay in line. Mm. You know what I mean, <laughs> right? I was telling
0: I was telling some kids a, a few weeks ago that they don't even know what it's like to wait for the dial up for, for, <laughs> for internet. The internet. They don't even know what it's what it's like to wait for the <laughs> for the modem, right? Yeah, um, you just pull out your phone and just click a button. And there's the
1: internet. You ever wonder what we did with all our free time before? Because we had a lot of free time. Yeah, yeah, we did. What did we do with all that who knows? free time? I don't know. Anybody know? who knows? Yeah, but the DMV—you just sit in there and you just like—you <laughs> can't. You just can't do it. You yeah. hate it. Um, and that's that's what I said. I just made a confession. That's what I do. And I'm DMV. I'm the I'm the worst waiter ever because I just look around at the whole thing and I pick it apart and say, yeah. insufficiencies here. This is stupid waste of time. What are they even doing? Are they even working? <laughs> you know, right? Like they should do it this way, it'd be so much faster. Um that's how I waited. You get, had
0: it. you had me uh you had me when you said that you thought that they should just dismantle the whole thing. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree,
1: <laughs> agree Jay. <laughs> right, just, just scrap it, come up with a whole new system. Yeah. But then it hits me, that's how we wait on God. Yeah. We wait on God like I wait at the DMV. Right. And we're prone to say to God, "Uh, you know what? I think you should probably do this." Mm-hmm. In fact, I am gonna go ahead and just try to do it, yeah, or if you do things this way, it would be better. Why aren't you doing this? It's so inefficient like like we are that way when it comes to waiting on God mm-hmm. we're not good, we mm-hmm. are not good at it, <laughs> yeah yeah so Habakkuk, he demonstrates it for us it's, or
0: we or we just forget about it, yeah, I think that a lot of times we we pray about things and then we Just forget about it. Mm -hmm. We don't even look when. So, what you were saying in uh, in this um, under this point is that waiting is not something that um, is passive, right? So, so is not passively
1: waiting, right? I gave that. I gave the deal. Drake laughed out loud uh, because I said, you know, it's like a soldier up in a watchtower. Uh, he's not going to be up in there playing clash of clans uh-huh. well for those who don't know i mean clash of clans is incredibly popular for yeah. younger people on their phone yeah they'll play these games he's like phone games mm-hmm. like a soldier that's faithful is not up in the watchtower playing clash of clans yeah you might would say for the older generation i, I don't know what what do they play they're not up there playing spades
0: they're not uh, up there doing a cross a uh, crossword it. puzzle Soldiers play spades in their
1: free time. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not up there playing spades while the invading army is coming. Right. Like you're on your watchtower. Yeah. You're diligently, actively right. watching. Right. And waiting this, for a response.
0: And this is something that takes effort and right. discipline. Mm-hmm. It's it's not something that we can just. I, I always so we do a we do a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, and I try to remind people regularly that. Look at this. Look at the prayer requests that you've made. If God answers your prayer, come back and tell us. Right. I, I think that we we're so um, I don't know. if I think it's it's probably just unbelief. We give these prayer requests, but then when God actually does something, He answers our prayers. We don't. We're like the we're like the uh, the nine lepers that <laughs> that leave. Huh. Uh, we we forget to come back and. And thank God, and actually acknowledge the fact that God, right, hears us. Yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we want to we want to be patient. We want to wait. Mm. You got an example of the one I, that I came up with was on how not to do it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And we have that in Genesis with Abraham and Sarah. Right. When God gives them the covenant promise that they're going to have a child, and then they wait, and they're like, "Oh, there's no child." Yeah. Maybe we take matters into our own hands. Yeah, they they wait for
0: a while. Yeah, they wait for a while because God. It seems like God isn't isn't going to actually fulfill His promises. Right. Um, we're we're talking twenty
1: years. Yeah, and they're getting old. Uh huh. Older. Seven. Oh yeah. Older. <laughs> very old. They're getting very old. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, yeah, Abraham's wife's like, "Hey, Hagar's not bad. Uh-huh. Maybe she can provide the son. Right. He can be the promised child. Mm. And." They do it, they do that, yeah. And he's born, Ishmael's born, he's not right, and it's their life gets very complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ishmael and Isaac's relationship is very complicated, and their descendants throughout all time, yeah. <laughs> even to this day, mm-hmm. are very complicated because yeah. they didn't wait on God, right? Yeah. So that's how not to do it. Habakkuk shows us how to do it. Right. (laughs) He gives you an illustration. It's like someone, uh, a diligent soldier on a watchtower. Right. Actively waiting. Mm -hmm. Don't know how long it'll be. Determined to... And it takes a measure of humility to do that because uh, it's difficult. You're humbling yourself on God's timeline.
0: Right. And you're believing God... Even if you don't see it with your own eyes, mm-hmm. I mean Habakkuk is not going to live to see the the fulfillment of this, of of what God is going to answer. Right, I mean, he, he's not going to see it. Right, right. Um, the ultimate fulfillment of what God is is promising doesn't take place for
1: hundreds of years. Right. Um, and so and you can argue to a degree, and this was what I'm studying this week is that there is an ultimate promise in Habakkuk that we haven't seen mm-hmm. we're still waiting for right that's a little teaser okay All right. cuz that'll come up in the next 2 weeks yeah okay. you know what I'm talking about uh-huh. okay yep okay so that's it that's it <laughs> remember prayerfully your god complain faithfully to god and wait diligently for god all right and now god's going to answer he's going to respond next week okay and it's a it's a big one
0: yeah so. yeah this next this next passage is is pretty big That's right. All right. Well, thank you. uh, Thanks Jay for preaching this. And um, hopefully this is encouraging. Hopefully it's helpful. We want to, uh, to remind you of um, just some, some really, I I guess we could say just basic things that often we forget. We need to be reminded of these things. And uh, so hopefully that's what we did for you today. We want this to be um, uh, helpful for you throughout the week. Uh, cause you to uh, to study and, and go back to the scriptures. And of course, as always, we want this to help you to become more and more conformed to Christ. We'll see you next time.